As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to The Wrap from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Jessica Hayden, a rugby journalist at The Times, and I'm so excited because it's semi-final weekend of the World Cup. So in this week's episode, myself and 2014 World Cup winner Rachel Burford will preview the upcoming matches as the tournament is down to just four teams. To help us do that, I'm joined by Stephen Jones, rugby correspondent at The Sunday Times. How are you, Steve? Not too bad, thanks. I've just spent the last 20 minutes... uh as you know, telling you what to do about these technical matters and helping you. But um, now I've got that out of the way. I can hear you loud and clear, Jess. Steve, it's always great to have the Times' best technology mind with us on this podcast. Um, and that comes before the rugby knowledge, I would say. I think I've, become, I think I've been very patient with you and Rachel. So um, there we go. Yes, this definitely isn't the other way round. And Rachel, it's great to have you with us too. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Um, really excited that we're down to the final four and the matches that we've got coming up, I'm really excited about. You were in commentary for the quarterfinal match between England and Australia, weren't you? And have you dried off yet? Because it looked very oh wet. It was horrendous. Like, I'm so glad that I was in the commentary. It was, I've never seen rain pour like that and... It just didn't stop. It was just relentless. Um, fair play to the players. And I'm going to shout out Amy Cocaine, how she hit 12 out of 12 lineouts mm. in that kind of condition oh, yeah. was ridiculous. Mm. And then Lark Davies comes on, hits five out of five. Like, that's unbelievable skill in those conditions, which, I, you know, I think if you look for all the team, probably everybody had an error um, from those conditions. Have you ever played in a match with similar conditions to that? Yeah, and it was against Australia, but in sevens. In uh, It was at the Sevens World Cup in Moscow, and suddenly there was a typhoon in the middle of the tournament. And there are the same images that happened at the weekend where like players are diving and there's literally splashes of puddles coming up either side of them. So maybe it's just a, you know, a knockout game because that was a knockout game as well against the Aussies that were always just going to play in the rain. <laughs> Steve, you've been covering rugby for such a long time. You must have seen plenty of games with conditions that bad. Does any does anyone stick out to you? Well, actually, when I started, when I was a kid, before I became a journalist, I used to play in um, South Wales Valleys rugby. And it was like that all the time, all every day. 
and in the summer it was like that. Yeah, so Simon Middleton said before the match that they were planning around the weather and their game plan was based on, you know, not offloading the ball as much, limiting the number of passes, but to only concede five penalties compared to Australia's 12. As you say, Rachel, as well, 100% success at the line-out. It's so impressive, isn't it? And I think they won something like 11 malls as well during that match. I'm speaking to Sarah Hunter a bit later. Uh, I caught up with her actually yesterday and we spoke a little bit about that and how you prepare to play in such dreadful conditions. We're also going to preview the semi-finals this weekend. But first, we're going to cast our minds back to that quarter-final wet weekend in New Zealand. Rachel, we spoke before the quarterfinals and you thought the game most likely to cause an upset would be Canada-USA. Canada won 32-11. And I was the daft one that said I thought the biggest upset could be France-Italy and how wrong I was because France beat Italy 39-3. I think I was just being optimistic, Rachel. Uh, and rightly so. You know, Italy had been playing particularly well, hadn't they? And and you know what? For for a large chunk of that game, France found it really challenging to break them down. So, you know, probably had like 60 minutes of where you felt, you know, Italy could claw back, but there was just some really magic moments from France and some real beautiful play from them, which is kind of what we've wanted to see come together. Um, But no, I think naturally Italy have been playing really well, building nicely, you know, they've, they most recently had beaten France. So you're not too far off the radar about your prediction there, like back in Italy. Um, but in the end, yeah, France just just too strong. Steve, isn't there some, something you told me a couple of years ago was never predict the score of a game because you'll always be made to look like a fool. And I think I should have listened to you a bit closer. <laughs> no, no, not really. The thing is, what, 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 what's, what's more boring than a journalist or indeed anyone saying, oh, I don't know who's going to win this game? If you're right, you look like a, a, a magician. If you're not, you look like a fool. But I think that it's the journalistic function to make a bold prediction, and I've always I've always stuck by that. And I've looked a fool many weeks. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it, it's I, I didn't I didn't see um, an upset there. World Cups are also uh, um, legislated by how how close the key games are. So we're going to get two this week. Uh, and in, in in three years' time, I think we want we want all four quarterfinals to be ragingly close. That's how World Cups develop. The quarterfinals weren't close this time, though. So France thirty nine, Italy three, as we said, forty one five to England against Australia, thirty two eleven between Canada and USA. Canada coming out on top, and finally, then um, New Zealand fifty five three to Wales. Steve, did you think that that scoreline fairly reflected the the Welsh efforts? Yes, it did, actually, I, I'm afraid. Um, Wales are um, a little bit like Ireland. They've gone through a tortuous process where it's only now, really recently, that uh, the Welsh Rugby Union have got behind them. The Welsh Rugby Union are useless. They've not got behind anyone else, but they've sort of paid some attention to, to the women's team. Uh, and I think they've got a great team spirit, but they need sort of a, a bit more power and athleticism and confidence to, to beat New Zealand. So I did think it was a brave performance, but in the end, I think it's hard to say that Wales didn't, you know, that New Zealand didn't deserve those 55 points. I felt watching Wales um, that, 
it was it was just bad decision making, especially on the wings and in defence, as they were for almost the entirety of the match. Really bad decision making about coming in off the wings, leaving the wings clear. And when you've got such strong wingers in New Zealand, you really can't do that. Rachel, what are your thoughts on that match? Yeah, I thought it was a really, you know, comprehensive win from New Zealand. You know, they 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 made a couple of statements about the way they want to play. Um, they got a couple of big wins over the scrum, which was a big focus for them and, and a statement moving forward because that's been highlighted as a vulnerability. But when you talk about defence and the decisions of coming in really tight, you can't do that when mm. a team's got the likes of Portia Woodman, Ruby Tui, Stacey Flute. Like, that's 12 line breaks New Zealand had. And that you know that's coming through lack of connection. You know, we're in the fourth game of a really tough series that, the tiredness of the bodies. They've obviously lost key players. Um, but I thought it was a really good performance from New Zealand. Still still a few areas for them to work on. Um, but yeah, I thought it was great that they performed, like New Zealand performed so well. And I think like Steve said, you know, uh, well, to be fair, New Zealand are a little bit in that um, area of, you know, they're kind of in that infancy of going professional, having more time together, more warm-up matches, etc. But the the difference with New Zealand is you weren't you weren't trying to make them better rugby players because they've got all that you know they've lived and breathed it from as soon as they're born in New Zealand. It was more around <clears throat> kind of the systems and the structures and getting them a real baseline of fitness level to be able to be really competitive at this World Cup. Um, they kind of have all that rugby knowledge in in the bank already. Um, but I think it was a, a fair result in the end. So we now know that the semi-finals will be France versus New Zealand and England versus Canada. And I headed into the England camp to chat to Captain Sarah Hunter, who, of course, has become the most capped England player of all time. I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Hunter. Sarah became the most capped England player ever in the quarterfinals. Sarah, how are you feeling after that? I mean, has it sunk in yet at all? Um, I think it's gradually starting to, but it just seems so surreal, you know. Um, It's just beyond what I ever imagined would ever happen in my England career. And I feel very lucky and very honoured to have, um, yeah, be in this position to, to... be able to to be called that and you know taking the the mantle on from from Rocky Clark who is an absolute legend of the game and is being an absolute servant um and for her to do it in the front row you know yeah like she she welcomed me in with open arms when I first came into the side and showed me what it really meant to be uh, a red rose and what it took to to play for your country so yeah she's been uh, a huge part of my career and yeah lucky to call her a teammate what I think has almost been missed out of the celebration of your cap and your record now is that you had, is it 13 months off with injury only last year with your neck? Does that made it your comeback? Has that made it a bit more special for you? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, that that was a really difficult period, I think, um, for for me personally, like not to play for England for, for 13 months is that that's the longest time I've had away from from playing for for my country and um like there was moments where I I wasn't sure I was going to play again so yeah to to get a, a clean bill of health and to to be back and to be back playing for for England and to reach this milestone when 
I guess you you don't know whether you're going to play another game is, is really special. And I think since coming back, I've kind of just tried to approach like every game as like something to to really look forward to and to, to really ch- um, cherish because you don't know when your like, last game's going to be. And sometimes um, it it's not on your terms and it's not the way you, you want it to be. So it's just making sure that you just enjoy every time you get to pull on pull on an England shirt because it is special and yeah you're not sure when it may end yeah and you say about celebrating it it feels like you've been celebrating this last week we just saw so many different ways you were celebrating this record you're shaking your head it must have been I know you hate being in the spotlight don't you yeah yeah um it was honestly unbelievable like it was above and beyond anything I ever imagined it to be and um yeah it was uh like obviously it, it was uncomfortable at a time but in the most nicest way possible you know um we had our shirt presentation and and the girls had done me this poem and they'd read it like and people read different things and that was re- really special you know to to have that um and and we've got some balloons and that would have that would have been enough um and yeah then after after the game um it was just unbelievable like we have Sarah Byrne had her 50th cap which is an amazing achievement and it was really nice to share that day with her and she got her cap presentation then Jill Burns, Karen Armand and Paula George um, presented me with a with like a, a golden cap and you know that was like that meant so much to know you've got like some of the original red roses like being there on your day to celebrate and talk about what it means to play for England and like without them I I would never have been able to achieve anything I have to like there wasn't a women's team before they went right we're going to do something about it I think when the World Cup's finished I'll look back and be like that was that was even greater than than I thought it was at the time but like our focus now has to turn to to the to the semi-final you know that quarter-final was a tough game but but yeah it was it was an incredible day and it will certainly be one I I will will never forget. Sarah this week there's been a lot of talk about your dancing and there was even a headline in the times that said Sarah Hunter may have the most caps but she's still an awful dancer and I noticed in a video that England Rugby made about you, your teammates were saying that you're a terrible dancer. So I just want to give you a chance, officially on the record, to state your case. Are you a terrible dancer? Um, they wouldn't be far from the truth by saying that. Let's put it that way. I am. I've got zero coordination. I'm never in time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I bring humour and add value from my lack of... Um, yeah being able to to dance but yeah there it's 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 not it's not wrong shall we put it that way I have to say the highlight for me was seeing the Love Actually style poem and how it was read how someone popped up and read one line and then Abby Ward popped up and then read another line of Marley Pack and then and it was yeah. like that scene in Love Actually where they walk out and then there's the, at the wedding and the, all the different instruments play it was really touching I imagine it must have been so moving yeah to be there in the room. You had Alan Shearer sending a video message as well on behalf of the whole of Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, like just people you'd never imagine would, would do something like, and yeah, they 
the girls organizing it and apparently there was like secret meetings and stuff to organize it I was like oh my god I'm so oblivious to everything I never I didn't pick up on anything they they had poem practice you know like um you say that that poem and all these things going on underneath like under your nose and I literally was like totally like unaware to anything that was happening and yeah they they really, they they really pulled it like out of the bag. Like they they absolutely smashed it. I couldn't, I genuinely couldn't ask for for better teammates than than this lot to really make a, a special day. We you get that sense just seeing the team and how well you all get on, and it really does feel lovely. Um, you were probably too focused then on the quarterfinal. That's probably why you didn't notice any of the yeah. secret meetings. Now that quarterfinal seemed so. I mean, I don't know. Was it was it more, was it difficult to play in because of the rain? Was it more fun to play in because of the rain? It just that it was torrential, wasn't it? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Like, you know, like oh, it's it's forecast for rain. I'm like, oh, rain. I, but like, it was ridiculous. But the thing that made it better was that it was warm. It was yeah. still about 18 degrees. So it wasn't like, you know, when you play in the rain back home and it's freezing. And I just remember coming out for the warm up and it was it was just coming down. Like, honestly, it was oh. crazy. And I just remember just thinking, like, you just got to embrace it. I, I was just like, I love playing in the rain, trying to change my mindset. And I overheard some Aussies being, I like, as you walk down to the training pitch, because they have one side and we have the other, um, being like, this isn't really our weather, is it? And I think, I was like, brilliant, this is it. Like, they don't want to play in the rain. Us English are, are used to it, like, probably <laughs> most weeks. And just being like, ah, oh, like this is fun it was the sound from the television of the water every time one of you was running it sounded like a cartoon duck or something it was just like splash 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 but good good point about the forwards because you still won 11 malls in that game you had a 100% success record at the line out and the whole uh, team as a whole only conceded five penalties in that match I know before the match Simon Middleton had said to you about the importance of being clinical and not giving away penalties because because of the conditions a penalty could be really costly as captain did you have to be quite fierce with the the team and stern making sure that everyone was being you know on best behavior <laughs> no you know what it is I think when you get conditions like that, everyone's attention and focus is so much more heightened. So I think everyone is like, you're so aware of the, the conditions. So like, I guess when you go up in a line out, you're like, right, I've got, I've because I went up a couple of times and I'm like, right, I've just got to catch this. So it's like, right, whatever you do, just catch the ball. Or like, I guess when you're making tackles, like, right, roll away, like whatever it is, you, you I don't know whether you just, because you know, how potent I guess they are with like when when they would get the ball or if we gave penalties away or if they got into our area you know I think sometimes playing in in difficult conditions just makes you like zone in a little bit more and there was nothing there was no stick from me at all I think we just were, were really clear in what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it and we'd had a really good training week so I mean we've been we've been training and playing in in the sun all week and then you get to that get to the day and it was like tipping it down but we we knew that it was forecast for that so we tried to adjust our training to be like right well this is how we're going to, rather than you play on dry conditions and you might pass the ball around a bit more. We were like, right, that's not what we're expecting on, on Saturday or Sunday even. So let's 
do go through the process of how we want to play yeah absolutely I was going to ask you actually do you prepare for games the same now they're knockout matches I know England the big focus is you you prepare yourselves and you prepare to the best you can for every game and it doesn't really change that much depending on who the opponent is but when it's knockout rugby in a world cup do you know I imagine the pressure's higher the there's more at stake so has your training week changed at all now you're in knockout rugby no, it hasn't. Obviously, it's been adapted with a turn. We had a six day turnaround this week. But um, in terms of of how we how we go about our, our training week, it, it's still very much the, the the same. So, yeah, it's um, which probably makes it a little bit easier when you prepare for, for big games. You know, you've got that comfort and familiarity of like this is this is what we do week in, week out. So you you look very inwardly then at yourselves and do how much of your week or if any is looking at Canada and what Canada have done and what you could target of them? This the start of the week is very much like we review ourselves, we see how we've done in our game, and then we we look straight to to the team we're playing. So we'll preview them, we'll look at where their strengths are, where areas we might think we can get at them, um, and then and then we like come up with a game plan. So yeah, very much we, we we do look at the opposition, um, and and then we we look about like how we then play. Anything you can share with us that you've been watching in Canada? Uh, don't want to divulge too much, you know. They might be listening. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Right before we go, I just want to talk to you a little bit about 2025. It's the the next World Cup. I know we're already talking about the next World Cup. I'm so sorry, but there's there's this one to go. But it's in England. That's the reason I want to talk to you about it now when that world cup comes around you'll be i hate to remind you of this but hitting 40 when that world cup comes around do you do you have your your ambitions to still be playing for england then or, or are you going to be you're shaking your head already i wasn't sure you were even going to answer this question sarah so i'm so pleased to see you shaking well, i'm not pleased to see you shaking your head i wouldn't no. say that is 40 is that too old to be playing for england then yeah uh, i mean everyone's their own individual person but 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 for me, um, another three years. Um, um, it's time. It'll be that World Cup will be time for for someone else to to have it, have a shot. You know, I've played in four World Cups and it's been absolutely amazing. I mean, the the thought of playing in another home World Cup was there, but I like there's just there's other things you want to want to do, and I just think yeah, I think. For, for me, I'm not sure my body will last another, another three years. You know, the intensity of all the games go up and what you need to put into, into the game um, game now. I'm not sure I'll have three more years in me, that's for sure. So so I will be in the stand, hopefully being in one of the 82,000 that have sold out Twickenham to watch England play um, and be supporting the Red Roses. But yeah, you you won't see me. Um, you won't see me out out there. They're playing. I'll be there. I'll be their number one supporter. That's for sure. There's all this talk about leaving the Red Rose in a better place. And I don't think anyone has left it in a better place than you. Most Captain England player of all time. I know Simon Middleton said you've never even had a bad training day, yet alone a bad match. All of your teammates spoke so highly of you this week about all that you've achieved in the shirt. Um, so we just want to say from the Times, you know, thank you for your service to England rugby and for just being such a, a brilliant player and character off the pitch. But it would be remiss of me not to ask, uh, do you think that if, if England win the final, would that be? Your I have final no idea. Like, let's worry about that. I haven't I haven't made any plans for retirement. Um, I've just been 
thinking about yeah how I best perform out here for for England and get us to to achieve the goal that we set out um yeah haven't haven't even given it a second thought to be honest um so yeah we'll we'll cross that bridge when we we come to it but yeah retirement hasn't crossed my mind just yet we're pleased to hear it I don't want you to die anytime soon I'm absolutely (laughs) loving watching you play at the moment Sarah thank you so much for your time uh wishing you all the luck in the semi-final this weekend Ah, oh, thanks, Jeff. The train is now approaching junction at platform. Passengers, airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Great to chat to Sarah there. Rachel, you've played with Sarah. Give us a taste of what she's like as a captain. Yeah, she's she's just really kind of... She's one of those captains that she'll leave what she does on the pitch, but then she's also very diligent off the pitch. But she's also just that kind of player also that always looks out for people. Mm. And that's, you know, you can see that with her, whether she's playing in the team or whether she's sidelined from an injury. She's just 100% all about the team. And that's why she's quite infectious as a person. And, And when you talk to her, you know, she's just always beaming because she just loves what she does. She loves the people around her. So yeah, and she's a funny old character. Like she could laugh at herself because she is the worst dancer in the world. Um, mm. You can jump out on her and literally just say boo and she'll just scream the place <laughs> down. So she's a good crack to have around as well. One thing that Abby Ward said in this uh, a mini video that England Rugby put out was that Sarah talks about herself in the third person and she talks to herself a lot. So she said, uh, Abby said that Sarah would be walking around her room and going, Sarah Hunter, how could you forget that? Is that something you've seen in her? Yeah, kind of like, even though obviously she's the captain, she's got to be on point messaging, team uh, messaging as well as media. You know, she's got to be at the forefront of everything, but she can be pretty ditzy at times as well. So I think Mm. that kind of talking like, oh my God, how did you do that? Um, definitely comes across but I think that's like part of her kind of authenticness and like that natural human um, element that she has to herself a bit like I said you know she she can laugh at herself but she can also you know be not so serious all the time and and just kind of 
see the funny side of things as well and I think that's lovely that you've got that kind of serious focus but then she can also switch off and just kind of relax and be a like real authentic self um, and that obviously comes off easily when you're around her for for any amount of time. The celebrations sounded like so much fun, especially the matching T-shirts. I thought that sounded great. One thing that yeah. Sarah said that we we expected, but it's still sad to to realise, is that this is her final World Cup. She accepted that she, she won't be playing at the next World Cup. She would be 40 then, so I think we can cut her some slack. But does, for her, knowing that, you know, the next, this game on the weekend could be her last one if England don't, go through to the final and then if they do go through to the final then that would be her final world cup match for england does that add pressure do you think for her as you know her rachel i just kind of wonder do you think she'll be thinking about that at all i think probably her mentality is just about winning this game and and not making it about her and thinking you know they want to get to next week and if they do the job that they need to do this weekend and they can execute that will take care of itself so i think she'll be so process driven and focused on the job in hand um I think that moment and those things will come into her head if it's like 78 minutes in the game and they can't win it then you'll probably start to see that kind of emotion start to implode on her um but she's all business even with you know her running out to become the most capped England player and most capped uh, women's player it was about getting on the pitch first and getting the job done. Celebrations later, I don't, she doesn't doesn't really want the fuss around it because mm. players always worry. Well, what if I don't get on the pitch? Even Sarah Byrne, like her mum, wasn't allowed to talk about the fact she was going to get a fiftieth until she got it. Um, so I think she'll be. I don't think it adds any other pressure. You know, she knows that. You know, the time's coming, and the last thing she'll want to do is not play the way she wants to play because that's in the back of her head. Yeah, that's a good point, Rachel. And Steve, you've I bring you in here. You've covered every World Cup since 1987, the inaugural World Cup. Where does Sarah Hunter stack for you in terms of the leaders that rugby's had over the years? That's a very, very good question. And I'm trying to think of someone who I would make number one above her. It's very difficult. I met Sarah ages ago. We did an interview. I think she'd just come into the team and... It was in Birmingham, and I, I all the way home, I, I always play music in the car, and I was just silent in the car because of the impression she made on me. I mean, she, the, the, women's rugby has got some magnificent ambassadors. They've lost that slightly in, in the men's game, which is a great shame, but going back to Jill Burns and all the way up, I mean, we've got one in our studio at the moment in, in, in Rachel, and um, just people who are just a joyous to, to listen to and to watch and to play and gives rugby a good name. But but Sarah is... The one thing I... I don't think I've ever wanted any, anything for anyone, apart from possibly my family, more than I want Sarah to be the World Cup winner because she's been an absolute giant and... Um, just so unassuming, gets on with it, doesn't complain. I mean, there are people who think that she should complain a bit more. Like when you get, you know, she, she went from being professional to amateur to professional to amateur in, in almost month by month at one stage when people were trying to work it out. But I, I think she's one of the great leaders. I put her up there with Martin Johnson, obviously in a different style, 
but she's for me she deserves to go down in history i was just gonna say um i don't think jono smiles the way that cinta does no but she smiles <laughs> when she comes she smiles when she comes on the field the national yeah. anthem and she, and she smiles when she's been replaced so ah, oh, she's just she's just absolutely brilliant she's just brilliant and Sarah has the chance to lead England in the semi-final this weekend. Let's just chat a little bit about the team news, Rachel. Claudia McDonald's in, Bot- Hannah Bottomman is starting, um, Tatiana Hurd, she's starting as well. Probably the, the most surprising call, but to me, I feel like she's absolutely deserved that. I think she's really played into her shirt at the World Cup so far and, and shown Southern Middleton why she deserves a place. Are you happy with the squad that's that's going to face Canada in the semi-final? Yeah, like I think I saw Claudia coming in. Um, I just think she's just a different dynamic kind of winger. You look in that France game, the amount of times that she popped up in around the ruck or on the shoulder ball or like really good carries. She's a difficult player to bring down. And I think that's because, you know, her obviously being a nine as well. So she's got that vision and she's got that eye where the, a gap might appear or a shoulder she can get on. And, and you know, Abby Dow, Lydia Thompson, Jess Breach, they're all like out and out world-class finishers. And she just gives a bit of a different dynamic. And I think that's the same with Tatiana Heard. I think to that back line, she gives a, a much better balance and a bit more um, power through the middle and not relying on Skaz so Skaz can kind of stay out for those next phases with Tatiana going hard at the line so yeah I, I probably would have expected that to be the selection probably Hannah Bottomans probably was a bit of a surprise over Vic Cornbra, uh, Vicky Cornbra. Um but again I, I suspect Helena in the backfield for her kicking ability and she is a she is a better player with a bit more space to play with um, and that playing at fullback accesses her to be able to do that and to link up with those players. There's been a, a slight kickback online. Um, I'm always wary to say it when it's only a few people, but there have been comments about Claudia not playing at nine, even though that's her bread and butter is as scrum half. But she's been playing on the wing for England uh, this season so far in the World Cup warm-ups and, and so far in the, the World Cup. Do you think that she's an out-and-out out winger now? Do you want her to come in at nine at all? Is she there? Is she good for cover, Rachel? Yeah, well, I think that's what England were looking at. So before Claudia went to be in a nine, she was a back three player. So they knew that she had that ability. And I think they didn't want to just take three out-and-out out nines. Um, they wanted somebody that had the ability to be able to play nine and then um, move to... to to play in the back three as well in case of cover. I think we would have probably, you know, would wanted to have seen her play nine because she hasn't played there since last autumn or since the autumn internationals against New Zealand. And I, I think, you know, she would have been in the, one of the squads but just was rested and that was probably the chance to play her a bit at nine. But yeah, I think we could see her play a bit at nine this weekend as just an opportunity to see how she can hold up in that position. We should say Lucy Packer, the scrum half, has been named on the bench, but we do know that she's been sent for an MRI scan today. She has a boot on, so we don't know. We know she had an ankle knock in training. We don't know the severity of that injury um, and that we know we also won't be getting an update today. So there is the chance that Claudia, they might shuffle about to give Claudia some time at scrum half, depending on how the game goes as well. Yeah, I, you know, if, if Lucy doesn't come through uh, for this week, which it might just be a bit of a, a close turnaround, I mean, you might see a shuffle in the back line and, and Claudia goes onto the bench. 
Um, I, I'm not sure what Steve thinks about, you know, starting your starting nine and your cover nine and then having nobody on the bench. That's quite a risky play, especially in a semi-final. Um, but yeah, so I think it, if that becomes the reality, I think we will see. Um, I think it would be quite foolish if you play Leanne uh, for 80 minutes and don't even look at Claudia just in case Lucy's not ready, hopefully for whatever game they're in next week. Rachel, what have you seen of Canada so far and what's your prediction for this semi-final? Yeah, I think, I, I, well, I hope it's going to be a tight game. And I think, you know, a lot of Canada's strengths mirror mm. England's strengths in their pack up front. Um, you know, England's try score inability often comes from their line out, whether that's a dry or, or you know, a special off the, off the line out. That's the same for Canada as well. Yeah. But I do think that England's back line have the, the upper hand over Canada's back line. Um, so I'd love to see England test that a bit more this week. Um, but I do think Canada will challenge England. I think they'll have some smart ideas around how they can counteract the scrummer and England's driving more. You know, often the best people who can deliver and execute their own often know the know how to disrupt the opposition. So, yeah, I think it will be a really big challenge for Canada to turn England over. But I actually saw some of the Canada's girls today and I can't tell you how confident they feel. Um, it, it was so, and I mean, you can have all the confidence you want, but it was just so um, like plain face, yep, we're ready for this and we're going to do it. And I was just like, I was really taken back because it was so strong and so powerful. I was like, okay, this is great because we want a great game at the weekend and we want a close game as well. Are Canada the ideal team to play England at their own game, do you think, with this, the, their maul is so strong as well? And England haven't, maybe France, I would say, but other than that, haven't been too challenged at their maul. We we spoke a bit last week, Rachel, didn't we, about how England are scoring a lot of their tries from the line-out driving maul. We agreed that we both loved that, so we weren't too bothered about it. But because Canada are so strong up front and their set piece is, is very strong as well, and then you've got, a, a quite a, a a weaker back line than England. Do you think that England will we will see the ball being played through the hands a bit more? I think early on they'll they'll back what they've done all the way through this tournament. Um, early on, I definitely think they'll look to pin Canada, put them under pressure, force turnovers, and then they'll challenge and test their their own lineouts against them. Um, where I think you might see it open up a bit more is is in the second half and and flipping what that picture looks like and you know that I mean have you seen the bench for Canada they've gone seven mm. one yeah which is really interesting although they said you know obviously Pacquan who plays seven she played seven so could we could see her in the back line and trust me you don't want that running at you <laughs> with open space I've been there in a seven shirt and it's not easy um, but. They're clearly, they clearly think that England are going to come full steam and that they will. Um, however, I think tactically how it might finish in the second half may look different to the first half. They're sharing a hotel this week. And when I spoke to Sarah, she was quite funny in saying that she wasn't going to share anything that she'd seen from Canada and anything that England would be targeting in case the Canadians listening. And I wasn't sure what our listenership is like in, in Canada. Um, pleased to, to know that she thinks it's that we have a, a good pickup in Canada anyway. But with the team sharing a hotel, 
how much will that affect preparations? Because I know the the coaching staff have kind of commented that perhaps they could pick up on stuff like line-out calls. But Rachel, realistically, I just want to get an understanding from you, having been in this situation, do those conversations ever happen in a hotel lift or a lobby? Or surely that's behind closed doors in, in meeting rooms? Yeah, I, I think, you know, and the hotel's a pretty big hotel and Canada have got the whole of the two top floors and England have got the whole two of the bottom floors. So they're very separated while they're in there. Um, and obviously they had their meals in separate rooms, etc. You know, it'd be pretty silly if you're in the foyer doing your line out walkthroughs with the same team in the hotel. Um, it, the challenging ones are just when you walk past them. It's like, where do I look? Do I look at them? Do I say hello? Do I smile? Do I not? Um, so that's the one. And Vicky Cornber actually said, oh, lifts are interesting sometimes. So obviously, like, they catch each other in the lifts at times. Um, I, I think as you lead into the week, there's not much in it. Um, the things like, you know, oh, did you see the number nine? She's in a boot. You know, those kind mm. of things aren't ideal or useful because then that starts but then that could actually lead to being a distraction um but other than that you're you're pretty much separate you keep yourself to yourself and then on game day you don't really want to walk past one another because you don't want to be the one that breaks the smile and you're like right I've got you <laughs> <laughs> is that really how it is if a player smiled at you you'd be like right you're weak no, no. <laughs> like, oh, she's nice. <laughs> I'm not sure I believe you now. I think you've uh, you've shown your true colours. It's there. funny. I think you know Sarah Hunter would probably smile at everyone, um, but there'll be some players that literally will like death stares. They walk past <laughs> or not make eye contact or like deliberately turn and walk the other way because they don't want to come into that kind of face to face before the game. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. I can understand that. Simon Middleton says that the crowd might not be on England's side and he expects England to maybe get some death stares from the crowd there. He thinks that it's going to be quite hostile towards them. Does that? How much will that affect England? I mean, they've had quite a lot of experience of that now. I mean, on the opening day, I, I know that the crowd was quite hostile towards England and also they played in France quite a lot where the crowd are never that supportive of them. Um, so will that bother them at all? Will it have any impact on the game, Rachel? It's a funny one, isn't it? Because, you know, everybody just wants an upset. They don't necessarily dislike England, but they just want to see that kind of spectacle. And yeah, as Steve said earlier, the moments that you really remember are those big upsets, you know, South Africa versus Japan in the Men's World Cup. You know, those things are talked about forever. Um, but yeah, England obviously faced it on day one. And I think that's a great actually that was a good thing for them the fact that everybody wanted Fiji to win um when they were playing and that that did rattle them but the fact that they've experienced that they would have talked about that they would have as as Simon's already talked about he wouldn't be just saying that to you they would have had a a team meeting you know acknowledging it and I think that's always the first step is acknowledge what the um, conditions are going to be what the crowd's going to be like what to expect um but this this England team are all business, aren't they? And I think, you know, they'll take great pride in making sure that that crowd is quiet. So that's Canada versus England, which is on at half three in UK time. It's a half four kickoff over in New Zealand. The clock's having changed makes it slightly more confusing, but 3.30am here. And after that, it will be New Zealand versus France, which kicks off at 6.30 UK time. Steve, New Zealand have been playing quite the offloading, chaotic style of rugby, should we say. 
Do you th- what? How do you think France will cope against them? Well, first of all, um, a lot of people have a problem about playing New Zealand in any form of rugby. France are one of the few teams for me who don't. I mean, they've seen the men's team off recently. I, I think France have a psychological problem with England, but not with New Zealand. Uh, and, and I think it, they, I think they've got a real chance. I think they've got. Um, I mean, the, I thought they blew it against England in uh, in Bayonne. Um, they, they were going well and they'd lost themselves somewhere in, in tactically and started kicking badly, etc. But I, I think they've got the pack. I think they've got some world-class forwards. It's a shame that Sansus is not there, but we, we, we they've got to get over that because she's you know she's not been there for the tournament. Uh, their kicking game's not great, but I think if they get themselves together, uh, really get stick stick it up the nose of uh, of New Zealand I think they've got a chance not favourites but I think, I think they've got a chance Rachel Kendra Coxedge said that, that the Black Ferns can't be previewed you can't know how they're going to play I'll read you the quote because I thought it was fascinating she said I believe we can we're playing a really good brand of footy I don't think anyone can preview us we're causing chaos we're playing on top we don't have anything kind of too structured we're just playing and expressing ourselves I believe we can win this World Cup how do you prepare to face a team like them that have scored more tries and made more offloads than any other team so far in the tournament yeah, it's really challenging and you've got to kind of make sure you prepare for like A, B and C and be aware of individual strengths, what they're likely to do. Um, and I, I agree that they are playing an exciting game of rugby. And it's that it's the same as like Fiji. Like when they've got the ball, they want to play, they want to move it, they want to have fun and they're prepared to, you know, throw the risky offload. They're, they play so flat, like flatter than any other team. And I think that's a tactic behind to take that line speed away so then they can pick off people. Um, and I think they've got world-class backs that have the ability to create something from absolutely nothing. And you can't pe- prepare for that. You can't prepare for a Portia Woodman to pick up a bubbling ball and then beat four defenders. Like She has defenders around her, but they just can't get her down. So it is, it is really challenging. Um, I think you know France do have a chance, though, but I just I worry around that mental psyche for them. Uh, you know, a couple of big runaway tries from Portia Woodman or, or Ruby Tui, and then suddenly their heads drop, and then they start forcing things a bit like Bayonne, where suddenly they're doing random kicks that aren't on, or forcing things or playing out of areas that they shouldn't. If they can keep their mental game very cool, then they're being for a shout. Rachel, I'm going to push you for a prediction because I haven't learned my lesson and I want to I want to know what you think. So who is going to be playing in the World Cup final? England, New Zealand. Steve? Um, if um, everyone listens to all the rubbish that New Zealand traditionally come up with in the morning, of, in the week before a game to try and upset the opposition, then New Zealand will win. If they France don't swallow it, I think France have got a great chance. Uh, New Zealand, however well they speak um, uh, as a nation, however much they incute, they don't like the opposition or accuse them of cheating and all that, that, that's when you know they're vulnerable. I don't think they've got some sort of magic space age game that they can inflict on anybody. So I'll go England, France. 
good. I'm going to stick with Rachel and say England, New Zealand, if anyone cares what my prediction is, because I've lost all faith in my own predictions. But I'm going to go with England, New Zealand for a final and what a final that would be. Thank you both for, for joining me and thank you, Sarah Hunter, for joining us early. It was great to catch up with the record-breaking England cap holder. We'll be back on Monday with your usual roundup of everything that happens over the weekend in the Gallagher Premiership. And I'll be back next Thursday for another podcast focusing on the Women's World Cup. And we'll know our finalists. We'll see who got that prediction right. In the meantime, follow or subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Rachel and Steve. Great to catch up with you both. It's been wonderful. <laughs> it be absolutely lovely to be down there in the shaky islands. Um, and I'm just absolutely loving the prospect of the weekend. And uh, Rachel, have a lovely time. I envy you. Oh, thank you. And it's always a pleasure, guys. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.